Hello and welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host Samuel Davies and I'm here as always with my friend, colleague and collaborator VB. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is episode 16. And what are we talking about this month, Phoebe? Well, this month, um, thanks very much to um, to someone who actually requested that we talk about small charities and the um, and the sort of the issues that surround small charities and the struggles they face. So that's what we're going to focus on today. And I believe we've got a, a great interview lined up, haven't we, Sam? We absolutely do. Yeah, fantastic interview later on in the show. So, how would we define a small charity, VB? Well, according to a report um, that that Givy um, have compiled their particular report looks at uh, those charities who whose annual income is under five hundred thousand pounds so that's quite you know substantial amount and there are lots and lots of charities um that raise significantly less than this but do fantastic work on the government website you can find out find the um the full list of statistics for for registered charities i should say from the charity commission so in as of the 31st of December 2016, so very, very recently, the number of charities that were raising between zero, pound, zero pence and £10,000 was 65,842. And that makes up 39.4% of all the charities in the UK, which is a huge, huge number. So the charities that you're talking about there are probably quite um, a very, as I say, locally focused They could be families that have set up a charity in support of someone that they love who's perhaps going through an illness or something like that. It could be, um, you know, a small trust or foundation that only get very small amounts of money per year and give them out to local charities. So we're talking about a huge, huge number of charities that raise under £10,000 that make up the bulk of the charities in in the UK. The charities that raise zero to 500000 that's 86.5% of charities in the UK, which is absolutely staggering. So 86.5% of the charities in the UK are bringing in less than £500,000 a year. Exactly. That's kind of, that's different to what most people think, I think, isn't it? Because, you know, from when you look at newspaper reports of um, big charities, kind of, there's, there's some impression that charities are big, wealthy organisations, but that's clearly not always the case. Because also, we're only talking about registered charities, aren't we? And of those, I think you said almost 40% bringing in less than £10,000, which is a very small amount of money. One of the criteria to becoming a charity is that you have £5,000 coming in every year. There are exceptions to that. So the Givy report highlights possible need there. Um, I had one slight concern with that report, VB, and I think I mentioned it to you. Um, that they do cite the True and Fair Foundation. They've, um, they've, they've put out some uh, interesting <laughs> reports over the last 18 months or so. So anything with True and Fair Foundation cited in it where, makes me a bit wary. But they've got some pretty solid stats there from, um, from the Charity Commission. So it's, it's a pretty good report to look at. One of the stats they've got in there, so they interviewed 2,000 people as part of this survey. And one of the stats they've got in there, which is quite interesting, so um, 53% of those surveys um, said that they give to a cause because of um, events in their life that have affected them or those close to them, so friends and family. So I suppose that hints at the suggestion that people will give to a charity if it's helped them or their families in some way. People give to people, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the 
the friend, the family member, the colleague who's affected by a certain condition or um, or injustice or or poverty. That that is what drives people to give to a charity, um, and that's reflected here in this in this report that Give You pulled together. It also says, which I'm, I was very pleased to see, that um, that the UK is the most generous um, nation in Europe and the seventh most generous country in the world. That's ringing a bell with me. I think we may have touched on that before, but it is nice to be reminded of that. Apparently, the average donation uh, that people in Britain give is £14, which when you think about, you know, somebody might throw you know their spare change into a bucket, but they're also sponsoring their... You know, their friends to run, to run the London Marathon or they might be giving a fiver to a poppy seller in the lead up to Remembrance Sunday. It all it does all add up. If we refer back to that stat in the giving report that fifty-three percent of people are giving to charities that have helped them in some way, then you could argue that the increased demand for the work of charities um, will potentially lead to more money coming in the future because they'll be helping more people and therefore they might then see more support later on um, as people you know, appreciate the help they've got. I suppose the risk there is that will the charities have enough to help those people in the first place, which you know, with, uh, with various cuts to certainly um, government funding of charities. And we see in the news all the time that there are, you know, people are struggling because of you know, cuts to benefits um, and food banks, um, you know, organisations like that becoming... Um, more and more um, populous you know there's more and more food banks are opening as people are really struggling to make ends meet Um, and it's those small charities that are you know that are being set up and you know desperately need support and donations but I wonder with the the other the flip side of the news and there's all this furore around you know charities perhaps you know that they're not being completely open and honest about where their money's going and what have you and I think for, certainly for small charities, say if you know a small charity were to approach someone on the street who has seen the news and is sceptical about how charities spend their money, if they've never heard of that charity before or they just see Joe Bloggs on the street and think, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a real charity, they're probably less likely to give to it, um, even though it may be completely bona fide and absolutely fine. So I think despite the fact that it's been the big charities, the big name charities that have been scrutinised under, uh, under the reports that we've seen lately, because people know them and know them as registered charities, they're probably still more likely to support them than an unknown local charity where people might be more sceptical about how the money is spent. Times are tough for small charities. They're sort of fighting against two lots of media sets one that's saying of food banks that you know it's terrible that these food banks have to exist because the government aren't giving benefits but then it's like well don't trust charities so yes it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next year with the fundraising preference service coming in and how beholden smaller charities will be to that i mean it's, it's really tricky isn't it because i suppose there's that constant um contradiction in terms of what kind of the perception that i think charities have if you look at you know the newspapers, the the regulation, the compliance, all of stuff that you know is really necessary, but then you've got this kind of contradiction that you've got suppose, this the viewpoint that charities need to operate with the lowest cost possible and give them as much money as they can to the cause, uh, but at the same time, and this is especially uh, relevant, I suppose, for small charities. They've got to be professional. They've got to run and operate um, in terms of meeting all the compliance regulations that we have, and increasingly so, with data protection and various other 
really important and um, stringent compliance regulations. And, you know, there's not a huge amount of support for a small charity with a limited number of staff to cover all of that, whilst at the same time going out there and delivering brilliant, brilliant work, but also getting out there and raising funds and doing all the other stuff that you need to do to be a successful charity. Really tricky. Yeah. Absolutely, and actually to back up um, both our points, the, the forgotten 95% report that was um, put together by Givy that we've been referencing in this chat so far, um, they've um, part of the, the report says that almost a third of 18 to 34 year olds are swayed by advertising and marketing, mm. and over a half, so 53%, are more likely to donate to a larger organisation because they feel it is easier or safer to do so which they say shows that hefty promotional budgets and more robust technological platforms are clearly giving the big name charities the upper hand in reaching out to younger donors. Mm. So there's a, you know, there's a big chunk of the market that smaller charities may be missing out on because, because they don't have the, you know, the budget available to advertise themselves in a, in a way that's appealing to younger people. And they just don't have those technologies that allow people to, to give to them in a, um, an easy and, um, you know, sort of, safe way online for example they are probably more beholden to or more reliant on shaking buckets you know checks coming through the post and people giving them them cash rather than um having an online platform but there are there are websites that are set up to help um small charities to to take online donations I suppose we should also for the sake of transparency say that the report from Gibby the forgotten 95% and absolutely talks about you know the fact that you've got so many people that trust uh, large charities that they recognize which is obviously a human trait and also they the Gibby talk about the Gibby report talks about 21% of those asked um, said that they sometimes do not donate to charity due to a difficulty or time-consuming nature of the process as well, which is another mm. thing. But I suppose, you know, being um, clear and transparent, Givy, who put together the reports, um, they are one of these online giving sites. So I think all of this leads to, you know, the fact that they can potentially provide uh, support and a service to to charities. So they, I think they operate in a similar way to... Um, other online giving sites like Just Giving, Virgin Money Giving and also Local Giving who we spoke to and uh, we interviewed Lou Cody, uh, Head of Marketing at Local Giving and we asked Lou a few questions. Here uh, today speaking with Lou Cody, Head of Marketing at Local Giving. Lou, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much, nice to be here. My first question, what challenges are small charities currently facing? I think there's a number of challenges small charities are currently facing. Most obviously, it's difficulty in accessing funding. We've obviously, over the last few years, seen a continued move towards contracts and cuts in local authority funding, which has a disproportionately large effect on smaller local organisations. So that's certainly a key area that smaller charities are finding difficult at the moment. In addition to that, uh, a lot of the organisations that we work with are also seeing an increase in demand for services. Uh, we did a report at the end of last year and 78% said they're expecting that demand to continue increasing in the next 12 months. But one of the things that came out of that as well was that only 18% actually felt sufficiently resourced to cope. So there's a resource issue, a funding issue, and an increase in demand for services, which is 
be putting the sector in quite, in quite a difficult position. How is the charity landscape changing and what impact will this have for small charities over the next few years? Um, well, I think that what we're seeing is there's obviously different ways of securing funding. So as I've said before, um, there's a move towards contracts and grants diminishing. So a lot of organisations are looking towards alternative methods of finance. So that can be anything from traditional fundraising, online fundraising, social investment, and a variety of different um, methods of income through trading and that, those kinds of things. So I think that we're seeing a, a much wider diversification of funding sources for charities across the sector, and I think that that's something that smaller organisations um, certainly need to be involved with as well. For a lot of organisations that are grant-dependent, um, they, by having that extra channel, whether it's through trading or through fundraising, it just helps them to be that little bit more sustainable and to be able to be a bit more in control of their finances. We're seeing that a lot of grant funders as well are, are not funding core costs, so a lot of small organisations struggle to get that money in to fund things like the electricity, the rent, etc. So having a form of unrestricted funding is really, really important. So I think that there's various opportunities for small charities to engage with these kinds of alternative funding streams. Uh, we, we specifically work within online fundraising. It's something that works for a lot of organisations, but there is a bit of a skills deficit in some areas. So a lot of the time it's building up confidence and working out exactly how to get started for a lot of sort of smaller organisations that are really focused on service delivery as opposed to fundraising. But that being said, groups that have started to take it on board have, have done really well. So it, it is a viable source of income for a lot of organisations. And I think that by, by looking at those different methods of diversification, uh, charities can kind of make sure they've got a really sustainable funding base. So, uh, what can small charities do to manage the changing landscape and grow? I think in terms of managing the changing landscape, it's important to kind of look ahead and look to the future. So potentially within fundraising, for example, looking at younger donors and seeing where they operate, how you can engage with them, how they, how they like to be engaged. So working out how to tell your story effectively and communicate what you do uh, in a way that is going to interest people from all ages and all across the spectrum. I think another area that small charities can look into is inspiring fundraisers. So individual fundraisers doing things like marathons, for example, or other challenges. We typically see a lot of people at this time of year looking to take on a challenge. And I think the vast majority of which will go for either one of the major charities or perhaps a smaller charity that they've had a personal involvement with. But there might be other people who are in a certain local area or community who are affected by a smaller charity in that vicinity but don't realise it. And um, by being reached out to and by charity saying, you know, if you fundraise for us, you can really see the impact that your the money you raise has. You know, you can see because we're hardly any of it's being eaten up by admin, etc., etc. It can be really rewarding for the fundraiser, and it's a really great way for smaller charities to expand their donor base. Um, for example, on local giving, we see new donors for a fundraiser that raises funds for a, a smaller local organisation. So, it's a really it's a really good way of encouraging people to get involved and get engaged with the charity. So Local Giving is a membership network and fundraising platform for local charities in the UK. We support charities of all sizes as long as they're locally based, although the majority of our members are small. And what we do is we enable people to fundraise online. And like I said, we have individual fundraisers and we also have appeals, which is kind of like crowdfunding, but we make sure that charities get some money so you don't have to reach a certain amount in order to trigger their payment. And we also provide one-to-one -one support and regular 
match ones campaigns where we match the value of donations that come through your online page. We're kind of basically set up, we're a not-for-profit and we're set up to support smaller local organisations with their fundraising and to be sustainable. And you can find out more information about us on localgiving.org. Lovely. And Luke Cody, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. That's okay. Thank you very much for having me. I thought that was really interesting. It's always good to hear from, from people who are, you know, working closely with the, the smaller charities because, as I say, you know, personally, I've, I've only ever really worked for sort of medium, medium to large-sized charities. So it's very interesting to hear about the struggles that um, the small charities face. So that's local giving. We've talked about giving. And, you know, if you're supporting a small charity, if you're the trustee of a small charity or you work for a small charity or even a medium-sized charity, do have a look at those sites because, and they're all on our website because they are interesting. And I think for charities generally, there's some, always some uh, good tips and case studies and examples of, um, you know, even kind of marketing materials and things that you might find useful. So uh, check those out. And of course, that's all on our website, charitychat.org.uk. Yeah, there's also a small charities coalition organization and they are really really good at providing information and support to charities and they also have defined small charities as those charities that raise a million or less so it's a slightly different uh, definition than the one we've used Phoebe we've talked about places that people can find information about small charities but can you think of any past podcast episodes that might be useful for small charities Oh, that's a very good question, Sam. Well, I know that one of our popular podcasts is our trustees podcast. So, you know, in order to operate, all charities have to have trustees. So looking back over that podcast could be an interesting one to help. If you are a small charity, we would set up a new uh, a new small charity. Finding the right trustees that are going to help you get to where you want to be is really key because your trustees can also be your sort of your biggest um, fundraisers or, or benefactors as well. So um, that would be... That would be my first suggestion. What would be yours, Sam? Social media. I mean, that was another good one. That was quite some time ago. It was about a year ago, I think, we recorded that one. That's episode three. And, you know, there we talked with a guy we're both familiar with, James Shaddock. He's also a bit of a guru. And also um, Howard Lakes. That was a good episode because I think those guys gave us some good uh, advice. One final one for me, actually, in terms of uh, suggestions, crowd, the episode eleven, crowdfunding. That was that was quite a good one because I think we we did touch quite a bit on small charities and um, it being a good source of revenue for small charities because you can very easily define what the problem is, what you're doing to solve it, and often it can be you know people can give small amounts that will make a big difference. And um, so, say if you're a I don't know a women's refuge uh, charity, for example, and you want to crowdfund for toiletries or spare clothes that women can can have when they when they um, sort of leave their abusive partners or their abusive homes, that could be something that can be quite easily crowdfunded for, doesn't take a lot of money, but is quite impactful and powerful. So, so yes, episode 11 of crowdfunding, we've got episode two was our trustees one, and social media was episode three. So, um, so go and have a, a look at, look over, or listen, I should say, not a look at, and listen over for those, uh, those three podcasts. Have a listen, guys, absolutely. And you can find them all, and, and all, of the, um, all of the information that we put on those uh, podcast episodes as well, on our website, charitychat.org.uk. So, Phoebe, what are we going to talk about next month? Well, next month we're going to go topical. So, we've been quite broad in our in the way that we um, 
I've been talking over the past sort of year or so. But there's a lot of changes coming into the fundraising sector um, with the new fundraising regulator. They've updated the code of fundraising practice. There's a fundraising preference service coming in. So we're going to look at kind of regulations and compliance um, in the charity sector. It's going to be a very broad topic, I think, Sam. So we probably will end up waffling on as we normally do. But um, but it'd be, I think the focus would be good to see what the cha- where the changes are in the, in the code of fundraising practice and um, how we can ensure that uh, we as charities are adhering to those um, those regulations and um, and acting in the best interests of our beneficiaries and our benefactors. Fantastic. Code of fundraising practice it is. That sounds great. So thanks ever so much, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And as I say, do have a look at our website, charitychat.org.uk. We are always very happy to hear from our listeners and if you've got any ideas about things you'd like us to chat about or if you'd like to chat with us, please do go to the website and contact us because we'd love to hear from you. Just to thank our sponsors, Red Dog Music for sponsoring our podcast kit, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and he'll be playing us out shortly and our iYard Photography for the lovely pictures on our website, charitychat.org.uk. VB, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Likewise, Sam. It's good to talk to you. And you. And uh, speak to you next month. Speak to you next month.